Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Okay, well I'm going to get Peter up and he's going to come and speak to us this morning. Yeah, Lord, we just pray you're anointing on him right now. We thank you for the word that you've put in his heart. Our praise that you just brings that and releases that to us, Lord. It will do us good. And it will strengthen and encourage our own hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. It's all yours. So uh, we've been looking at uh, Colossians and we've been working our way through it. And um, you'll remember that Paul has written to the Colossians to try and correct some of their theology that's perhaps... They've added extra bits and they've taken away bits to try and make it um, fit what they wanted. And he's just trying to correct that uh, as he writes this book. And uh, we've got um, in chapter 1, towards the end, and uh, we're at verse 24. So if you've got a Bible, whether it's on your phone or it's a a physical old-fashioned paper thing like I've got here, um, uh, I'd, I'd urge you to have that open in front of you this morning. And uh, so I'm just going to read from uh, verse uh, 24. So uh, Paul said, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people, for God wanted them to know the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Now, I'd, um, I'd uh, started uh, kind of putting some thoughts down on paper a number of weeks ago. I didn't know that I was going to speak this week. And actually, as I thought ahead, I wouldn't have even realized that today was Mother's Day uh, as a date in the diary because I just wouldn't connect the two things together in my head. And uh, I'd entitled my talk for today suffering and service. And uh, if you're a mother, you might think that that's very apt. Um, So hands up at home if you think suffering and service is apt for being a mother, or whether actually you think it should be called joy and everyday marvel of being a mother. Only Matthew's put his hand up for that one. And... um, uh, the weird thing is, as a, uh, as a doctor, um, I make my living from other people's suffering. If people didn't suffer in some way, then they wouldn't go and see a doctor. So if there was no suffering, I would be redundant. And uh, I think that would be a good thing. Um, not that I would be redundant, but it would be good if there was no suffering. And uh, you'd, uh, you might ask, well, well, what really is suffering? I think we all know uh, the experience of suffering. 
um, but what is it? And uh, I'm going to use this morning uh, a few quotes from Elizabeth Elliot. Some of you will have known of her. Um, she died a few years ago at a ripe old age, and uh, she um, wrote a story about her first husband. Uh, she had three husbands, all of whom died during her lifetime, and uh, her first husband died in Ecuador trying to speak to uh, the people deep in the jungle. And uh, shortly after they'd got married, he was killed uh, by one of the tribes that he was going to. And she writes the story, and it's called Shadow of the Almighty. If you've got that somewhere on the shelf at home, I'd say pull it out. I can't urge you to go and buy it on Amazon because it's out of print. Uh, But if you've got it somewhere, have a read of it. I've got two copies, and as of today, both are out on Lend, but I'm sure you could borrow them later. So, um, what's suffering? Elizabeth says, suffering is having what you don't want or wanting what you don't have. Now, if you look back at verse 24, this first bit, um, uh, Paul says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. And uh, that seems a really strange thing. I am glad when I suffer. And for many centuries, this verse has been used wrongly. And so people have used this verse to say, actually, I'm going to cause myself pain and suffering because in doing so, it's going to make the church better. Which is just really so topsy-turvy. It's not what Paul was writing about at all. But people have said, well, you know, if it's good for Paul to suffer in his body, it's right that I should suffer in my body too. And they cause themselves pain and suffering to try and make the church better in some kind of perverse way. And I asked the question this morning, well, how do you suffer? Paul was suffering in his body. Um, He was in jail. He was being beaten and whipped Um, He was probably having terrible food in a damp, dark, cold jail. And he understood that as he was suffering, that actually that was bringing glory to God. That actually the kingdom of God was being extended. Because as he was speaking out what God had told him to share, even in the jail, people were being saved. People were turning to God. And he understood that God had a purpose in the suffering that he was uh, undertaking at that time. Christ died for his church. He's passionate for her, his bride, the church. And that's what Paul was, was imprisoned for, for speaking about Christ. He'd done nothing wrong. It wasn't against the law for him to speak out about Christ. But some people didn't like it, and he was thrown into jail wrongly. But Paul saw that all the different things were working together for God's good. And so he could rejoice in his suffering. Not rejoice that he was suffering, but he could rejoice in that place where he was suffering. Jim Elliot, the the husband uh, of Elizabeth that I read from earlier on, said this, and I think lots of you might have heard this but didn't know where it came from. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain what he cannot lose. And Paul was giving his life, knowing that actually there was a better life in heaven ahead of him. It says in the Bible, what man meant for evil, God used for good. And that's what was happening there. And that's what Paul was delighting in. Some people um, feel that um, as we have not been meeting as church over this last year, that actually we've been suffering and that it's been really difficult. And we've been asked numerous times over this last year, why are we not meeting? And I think our answer is, is simple. It's against the law. And we don't believe it's right to break the law. And so we've been asked, well, what about those people who do break the law for their faith? Brother Yun, um, in The Heavenly Man, lots of you have read the book, he broke the law and he went to jail as a result because he talked about Jesus and he was told that he shouldn't. But Jesus told us to keep the law. Say we were meeting and there was many of us in this room and there was an outbreak of coronavirus because of the fact that we'd met. You imagine what the news would say. It wouldn't be a great advert for God. And so we've been trying to do the right thing. The law does allow for 30 of us to gather together. In the room here today, there's about 12 people, and that's probably, you know, we've, we've cut it right down to try and minimise the amount of contact we've got, and everybody's wearing masks. But we're told if we meet together, we could have up to 30. We'd all have to wear masks. We shouldn't sing. We mustn't have refreshment. And actually, once we've got the people in running the meeting, there'd only be about 10 or 15 extra each week who'd be allowed to come. And it wouldn't be a great experience for you. And we are anxious for that day where we can meet and we can meet without masks and we can be close together and hug each other and that we can sing together and worship. It will be amazing. But we're not quite there yet. But we yearn for the day and we feel we're suffering too. We find this difficult. You know now, the Chinese church that Brother Yun was speaking to, they meet on Zoom, just like lots of us do. And that's how they do church. And actually they comply with the law at the same time as still meeting. And we're still meeting here. It's odd. It's not quite the same. And some of us really don't like it. Some of us love it because we can be at home and we don't have to mix with others. But actually, we're trying to do the right thing. And during this time, we've seen the church flourish. And we're seeing it in China that the church is flourishing as technology is used for people to meet together in different ways, that actually the church is growing. And this year, the church has grown perversely while we're not meeting. It's really odd. But there's alphas springing up all over the place. There's online courses. There's people gathering, people meeting in ways that they didn't before. And the church is growing, despite the fact that we feel like we're suffering because we're not meeting. As I talk about suffering, I just want to, like Paul did, just um, talk about correcting some things that we uh, understand that people think is right. 
Um, but actually, we don't necessarily believe the Bible says. And one of the things that I hear is that um, um, God heals everyone. And uh, I don't believe that's true. If it was true, no one would die. And there'd be an awful lot of us. But people do die because actually life is a terminal disease. We all go in the end. God doesn't just magic away our diseases. He doesn't magic away our personal suffering. We live in a fallen world and there's disease and there's sickness and there's stuff that actually God would not put in place for us. He doesn't cause it but he allows it to happen because of the state of the earth that we have. But we look forward to a day where there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, where there won't be sickness, where they won't be suffering, where I will be redundant. We look forward to that day. Yes, I have faith for the miraculous. Yes, God heals people, and I think it's fantastic. But he doesn't heal everyone, and I don't understand why. But what I know is there's a better thing coming. And I want to say to you this morning, don't be disappointed in God because of your suffering. I also hear people saying, well, I will be healed. By his stripes I am healed. And they're quoting from Isaiah, and I think that will come up on your screens. It says in Isaiah 53, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, or stripes in the authorised version, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This passage is so clearly about what Jesus did on the cross. Despite the fact it was written hundreds of years ahead, it's a prophecy of what was going to happen. And that phrase, by his stripes I am healed, was all about your salvation. It's all about the fact that actually Jesus on the cross took all your wrongdoing. And he healed your major disease. Your major disease, which was that actually you were condemned to death. And that actually he bought you life. He has bought you life. And by his stripes you have been healed. Because you have a certainty of heaven when you believe in what he did for you on the cross. We mustn't take these verses out of context and believe things that are slightly different from what the truth is. This is what Paul said. I am giving you the entire message. Not a bit that seems nice, but the entire message. They weren't getting the full truth and it was robbing them of the fullness of joy that they could have in the gospel message, in Christ. And so Paul was trying to correct it so that they could get the fullness of the gospel, wretched, uh, the gospel message, the riches 
he describes the joy and the riches of the message. So what was the secret message? The secret message that I whispered, that Christ lives in you. It was a secret message because actually it changes everything. When you understand that Christ is in you, you perhaps start to question the why of you suffering more. And during those times of suffering, like Paul was experiencing, he could then rejoice because he knew that God was living inside him. It's a big deal. It changes everything. It changes how we respond. You know, I pretty much hate Zoom. I spend so many hours of my days on meetings, and some of you spend your entire working day, and I don't know how you do it. Some people hate the fact that actually we don't meet together and it causes them suffering and pain. And I understand that. Some people, as we gather back together, would prefer not to come and will prefer to watch what we continue to live stream in the future. Because actually, the thought of being in a room with a hundred people, oh my word, they can't think of anything worse. And actually for them, that's suffering. And I want to encourage you that actually when we meet together on Zoom, when we, when we pray together, we might not like it, but actually you know you bring something. Just as when we meet together, when we come together, we bring something to the others in the room. We do that when we meet electronically too. And I want to encourage you to engage with what's going on at the moment not put it to one side, and then when we meet together, I want to encourage those of you who really don't like to do that to come and do it. And it might seem like suffering, it might seem like you're in prison as a result, but actually I believe there is blessing in doing what God is asking us to do. And he asks us to meet together. Unfortunately, we can meet together virtually, at a time where we're told in law, we can't. So how do we respond when God gives us something to do? We might groan, we might rejoice. It might be hard, it might feel like suffering, but if God wants you to do it... So I finish up with a final quote from Elizabeth. She said, whatever is in the cup that God is offering to me, whether it's pain and sorrow and suffering and grief, along with many more joys, I'm willing to take it because I trust him. And I want to ask you today, with your sufferings, with your sorrows, do you trust him? Do you trust him that whether you're healed or whether you're not healed, whether actually you die of what's going on right now, do you trust him? Because I want to say to you, he has got you at his heart. You are on his fridge magnet. 
You are on his mantel shelf. You're the picture inside his wallet. He loves you. Do you trust him? Oh, I think we can say God's been speaking to us today. Right from the start, right the way through, God just fits it all together. That he's for us, he loves us, and we can put our trust in him, no matter what our circumstance, no matter our situation, no matter what the outcome might be, we can trust him. And so we're going to finish with a song, we're going to just come back to worship, and our time's almost up, but we're going to just come and sing Good, Good Father, yeah? Yep, that's the one. And uh, just remembering that he's good and he's always good. All the time. God is good. No matter what. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in our world, in our situation, he is good. And his faithful, faithfulness endures for all generations, it's, his word says. So let's just come sing this song together. Let's just respond to God's word. Let's allow him just to allow that word that peace is brought to us to just... Rest in our hearts and have an effect in our lives as we sing this song together.